Closing the Digital Divide, the podcast dedicated to creating meaningful conversations and share valuable insights from industry leaders, policymakers, equipment manufacturers, and others on closing the digital divide. I'm your host, Charles Thomas, and together we will explore policies, challenges, triumphs, and innovative solutions that are reshaping the digital landscape. I'm excited to welcome Mr. Steve Schwerbel, who is the WISPA State Advocacy Manager. In his capacity, he's focused on building connections between state broadband offices, WISPA members, and WISPA policy team to advocacy for technology-neutral grant processes and to support state policy environments where all options are on the table when considering broadband expansion. Now, before joining WISPA, Stephen spent seven years in the Wisconsin legislature as a staffer for Representative Romaine Quinn and chaired the Assembly Committee on Science and Technology, and as a policy advisor to Senator Julian Bradley, who chaired the Senate Committee on Energy and Utilities. These roles, he focused on broadband policy, helping drafts build, helping drafts bills that laid guidelines for Wisconsin State Broadband Grant Program. You sound like you were a real busy guy. I kept busy a little bit. I, 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 you know, I was one of those nerds who had fun uh, doing those things, so it was always a great time for me. Well, great. Stephen, welcome to the show today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know over at WISPA, you guys are really, really busy, um, specifically with the uh, soon-to-be-announced funding for bees. Yeah. Um, Stephen, I always start my show by asking my guests, especially first-time guests, what exactly is the digital divide and why is it so important for us to close it? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's just such a great question um, because it's it's really the key to what we do here at WISPA. The digital divide is just that space between people who have great internet access and people who really struggle with their internet access, uh, whether it's devices and the ability to access the internet, even if they have, you know, a, a fiber plant near them, uh, or whether it's, you know, folks out in rural or, or hard to reach areas that just can't get internet to be built out to them. So whatever that space is between the need and the access, uh, that's where that digital divide lies. Excellent. Um, and and I, I agree with you 100%. And I always say, you know, that line really crosses all races, creeds, areas. And, and as you said, if it's rural or, or, or urban, um, it, it's there in one form or another. I think it's really well acknowledged, you know, in, in the BEAD program, that equity uh, plank of it, which is so important, uh, focuses both on kind of those racial aspects, the minority aspects, the poverty aspects, but also the rural aspects and the access. Uh, so it, it really does cover such a broad territory of, uh, of different kinds of people who sometimes don't think they have a whole lot in common, but really do have that same need. Absolutely. And and for someone who works out there in those rural areas, you you really see the uh, commonality right across all lines yeah. um and it's it's and and like and to your point it is very important that we we reach in uh each of these areas no matter where they are uh let's talk a little bit about the organization that you represent wispa uh first of all tell tell our folks a little bit about wispa and what wispa is 
Yeah, well, being in Wisconsin, everybody thinks that the WI stands for Wisconsin, uh, but it does not. Uh, it is the Wireless Internet Service Providers Association. And, you know, the, the really interesting thing about uh, our organization now is that we used to say, hey, we're the Wireless Internet Service Providers Association, and that's great. We've kind of rebranded, actually, and, and we're going through a process of saying we do a little bit of everything. So right now, we just say we're WISPA, and our tagline is Broadband Without Boundaries, because our members are out there deploying fiber where that makes sense. They're building uh, towers and deploying internet access over uh, fixed wireless where that is the right solution. We're really focused on choosing the right tool for the job to bridge that digital divide because whatever uh, access point we, we can get to, we want to make sure that we're getting the right tool, uh, whatever that is. So we're, we're a team that's going to not, we're not going to say no, uh, we're going to say yes to finding the right solution. And so that's really our focus now. And I really love that because uh, one of the things that we've done here and, and you know, many members have done over the last couple of years is really focused on getting the right tool for the right job. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter if uh, if I need to if I need to drive down to, to Walmart and pick up some bread for my wife. You know, do I take the Maserati or do I take the uh, Jeep? You know, I, I <laughs> right. need to get the bread, right? right? <laughs> well, well, and there are times, you know, that, that Maserati is going to look great and it's going to be real flashy, but there are times when you need that Jeep to maybe, you know, get out to the farm or uh, haul some extra produce back home. So uh, it's it's really choosing what's what's the right thing for this individual use case. Absolutely. And just as a side note, if the Maserati is in my driveway, I'm in someone else's house. Um, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, tell us a little bit about WISPA and its members as it works collaboratively with, collaboratively with government, government entities, organizations, and communities to bridge the digital divide. Yeah, so we have more than 600 members now, uh, which are everything from small ISPs that started in their community because they just saw, hey, I cannot get uh, broadband service to save my life, and so I'm going to be part of the solution. I'm going to start off just a, a company that serves maybe me and my neighbors. Maybe I can build out to my town or my county, but started really locally and, and really uh, with that mission focus of serving the community. Uh, so we have everybody from small members to really large members that cover multiple states uh, to the technology vendors uh, who make the the equipment that our members use then to to deploy those things so we have a really great uh, level of access from everything from the really grassroots to kind of that higher level of, uh, of, of a higher level of overlooking uh, what is the the broader need and what is the broader community doing here so it's a really great mix of uh, interests and organizations uh, we have folks like um, you know Tirana and uh, airspan and, and all of our great technology providers as well as those community members who are just out there every day uh, building the fiber, building the internet service, uh, building the fixed wireless access and the towers that we need. Uh, so a little bit of everything there. So one and could almost say that this, this organization is really the backbone of broadband service, whether it's rural or, or non-rural. Yeah, I mean, we're out there getting it done every day, and it's so rewarding to be able to talk to our members in my role every day to hear their stories and hear what they're doing. You know, whether whether it's somebody providing service in an urban area who's uh, up on, on top of a building and putting up a little tower so that he can get into another apartment building and, and give service to there, uh, or whether it's somebody out in, you know, rural Kentucky or rural Tennessee who's... Uh, 
pirates charging through swamps and putting up towers so that they can get out to you know the end of the bio that, that doesn't have service. Um, it's an incredible broad uh, swath of territory, but it's it's really great because we we truly are in every gap, every place where there's that need. Uh, our members are really jumping in with both feet and saying, "Hey, I can do this, and I can make it work in a way that uh, works for everybody." That's awesome. Well, we talked a little bit, or you talked a little bit about earlier about the right tools for the the right job. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the the strategies and technologies that WISPA members are are using to uh, extend broadband access to the unserved and underserved areas. Yeah, well, and, and like I say, you know, we're we're pivoting away from just the Wireless Internet Service Providers Association. I don't want to say just because that's that's definitely our bread and butter, and our members are doing that every day. Uh, but we're using every tool that we can. So we build fiber. We use that where that makes sense. Uh, but we're also going to make sure that if we can't get to an area with fiber, we're going to maybe put fiber to the tower and then deploy that last mile broadband signal wirelessly over any number of our uh, providers who who deploy different technologies, whether. Whether it's licensed or unlicensed spectrum uh, that we're using, we, we use all the options to make sure that we're reaching out to uh, to every customer that we can get to. So we are really proud to be uh, delivering delivering service in every single way that we possibly can. Well, um, you talked a little bit about the uh, the, the the swamp lands, and um, I'm glad I don't have to uh, build anything <laughs> down there. I'm uh, not a Me not too, a gator well, person. Well, I'll, I'll stick with my cows up here in Wisconsin. That's all right. <laughs> right, right. I can deal with the cows. <laughs> can you share with us any uh, uh, case studies or um, significant impacts that uh, the members may have had in, in helping to close a digital divide? Yeah, well, and, and that's such a great question. Um, and I've, I've had the honor and the privilege of being able to get out to a couple of these sites. Uh, I was just recently in New Mexico. One of our members is the Pueblo of Jemez. It's a, a native tribe that during the pandemic realized they just had no internet access really to speak of at all. And they realized they could not afford to wait for fiber. So they started up their own wireless internet service uh, provider and became a member of WISPA and wired the tribe. I believe they have now over 500 families that are connected to broadband internet at really strong, reliable speeds uh, that would not have had that uh, over the last you know, three years. So it was really great to be able to get out to the Pueblo, walk around, see what they're doing. It's a small operation. They really employ all tribal people and have done a great job of building talent, fostering uh, local community members to be able to get those new skills, whether it's teaching them to climb a tower or teaching them to monitor the uh, the back end traffic uh, to, to set up those signals and, and do all the back end work. It's really, really cool to see the tribe taking its future into its own hands with fixed wireless. Uh, we have other members out in California who during the, the pandemic saw the need at schools and said, we're going to put up a, a, a radio tower and we're going to be able to provide symmetrical gigabyte speeds uh, to the school so that the, school, the students continue to do remote learning and have the access that they need there uh, across the country. You know, I've been up here in uh, Northern Wisconsin. Last summer I was up in far Northern Wisconsin in really hilly difficult territory uh, where one of our providers was able to get service to some farms. The students were coming home obviously during the pandemic and needed to do college online uh, and, and couldn't pay their local fiber provider uh, enough money to come you know build out two miles down the, the end of the dirt road uh, at, at the county line and and get them service. 
but our folks were able to step into that gap and within weeks those farms had internet service and, and were able to continue really seamlessly with what they needed so at every level whether it's getting out into the bios uh, down in in florida and louisiana or you know connecting schools in california or tribes uh we're we're everywhere and, and it's so cool to see those providers really stepping into that need I tell you, I um, when I initially um, got into the business back in 2006, one of the area that we visited was was up in Wisconsin, and the first my first thought was there is no way these guys are are providing service here, and they actually took us out and we got to visit some of those spots, and and I became a believer um, that day um, as we um, proceeded in, in starting our, our our own ISP down here in Virginia. So yeah. um, well, well even out there in amazing. Virginia. Yeah. And and you've got some really tricky territory, you know, whether it's the the mountains, uh, you guys have got topographies that you've got to work through as well that are probably challenging for fiber, but uh, you know, you've you've got different use cases where you can deploy the right tool, right? Absolutely. And and I think that's important. I want to shift gears here a little bit and talk about uh, the policies and, and regulatory advocacy efforts that WISPA is undertaking. I know there's, especially with beads about to hit the street, there's a lot of, um, uh, whether it's misinformation or whether it's um, understanding, a better understanding of, of the program. Tell us a little bit about how WISPA is, is engaged in those efforts. Yeah, yeah, and and we're all about education, uh, both for state broadband offices and you know federally, whether it's members of Congress, uh, state legislators, or you know some of the the stakeholders behind the scenes. Um, obviously, with BEAD, that broadband equity access and deployment program that's coming down, forty-two and a half billion dollars uh, being distributed across uh, the states and territories just an unprecedented opportunity to really truly start to close that digital divide in a way that uh, is, is effective for everybody who needs it. But it's not going to be as effective as it possibly could be without considering all options and, and really employing WISPA members, getting all providers built into this program. Uh, and, and that's where we were, you know, really frankly disappointed with the NTIA's uh, determination that while they are considering, and I'm gonna use my, my air quotes for your listeners here, reliable broadband to be uh, either fiber or licensed spectrum fixed wireless that unlicensed spectrum was left out of that definition and, and that's uh, really going to present a challenge I think and, and needs to be well understood at the state level because there are still some really great opportunities uh, to get involved so let me just speak to the the unlicensed spectrum sure. for a second and then talk about how states can really deploy that still within bead uh, in, in ways that they can be creative and, and kind of approach that so uh, probably you know we we estimate that 70 to 80 percent of our uh, total coverage is, is based on unlicensed spectrum, uh, which any operator can start to uh, operate in. Uh, if, if they see the need, they can deploy that fixed unlicensed spectrum immediately. Uh, we have great technologies now on the provider side to be able to mitigate noise, to be able to make sure that the signal stays strong and clear to the end user so that it's not being interrupted or, or kind of spoken over in, in a way of thinking about it, uh, that, that everybody's able to really operate, sometimes in even dense and cluttered environments. Um, but that is really the backbone of our rural and uh, um Let's see, our, our rural and uh, digital divide communities uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, that unlicensed spectrum is also where we make our bread and butter of being able to uh, provide 
cost-effective and timely internet service. Uh, because if you have to wait for several years for a fiber project to get built out to you, you don't have internet access in those several right. years. And so if we can deploy a fixed wireless over unlicensed spectrum tomorrow to give you that 100 by 20 speed, absolute reliability. I mean, up here in Wisconsin, nothing eats fiber like uh, you know farmers who are out plowing their fields. I can't tell you how many cable cuts we get uh, you know, across <laughs> the country even uh, with, with yeah. somebody just out doing their business and, and accidentally clip that fiber. Uh, we can fail over to a fixed wireless signal and keep that signal strong if we're able to use that technology. It has the same reliability, it has the same speed options, and it truly is a great technology for deploying that last mile, especially in tough areas. Um, and so it was really disappointing to see the NTIA make that determination of kind of unreliability in a certain way of thinking about it. It's not at all a technical consideration, but it was a, largely a political determination of, of how they wanted to prioritize things. The great thing is, and, and this is where my job comes in really, is educating states on how they can still find creative ways within the bead framework to be able to deploy an all of the above strategy that can include uh, substantial unlicensed spectrum usage uh, in their bead funding. So there's, uh, there's a, a formula called the extremely high cost per location threshold. I'll just call it a threshold because it's a mouthful and it's a Friday afternoon here when we're recording. Uh, <laughs> but the, the threshold is a number past which uh, on a per location basis, you can still use unlicensed spectrum to deploy in bead funded projects. So under that threshold, you have to focus on other licensed spectrum or fiber projects. Uh, so whether that's you know $9,000 per household, 10,000, whatever that number is, that's determined by the state. Uh, after that threshold, you can still use unlicensed spectrum fiber, uh, fixed wireless, sorry, uh, to be able to fund bead programs. Uh, and so that's going to be a really, really important number that each state in the bead NOFO, each state has its authority to set that number in a way that makes sense for that state. So we really are encouraging states to start looking very seriously at both how much money they're going to be getting and then realizing that even if you're getting, you know, a billion dollars uh, in, in many states, that's not going to be enough to lay fiber to every single location that you need it. And so you have to really start thinking about what is a true and uh, serious number to put behind that threshold to say we're going to prioritize fiber in some areas. But after a certain number, we're gonna say, look, we want to be able to consider all the tools that we have at our disposal to be able to make sure that we get every single household and, and location that's broadband serviceable. Um, and so when we talk about, you know, the reliability of unlicensed spectrum fixed wireless uh, and, and other service types, we wanna really start thinking about what is the cost to, to deploy fiber versus fixed wireless in an area in terms of both time and uh, money, in, in terms of getting things out to consumers who truly need it. And so it's been really rewarding to, to sit down and talk to broadband officials across the states to say, what gives you the confidence at the end of the day to say, we're going to get every single person in my state? Uh, and, and it's something that I think things are, uh, broadband offices are really thinking about very carefully and are going to be having really meaningful conversations with our members about. Uh, and so then my role really is, is not only to have that conversation, but then to help follow up and connect our members so that we can have those real boots on the ground conversations about what is, you know, for your company, for, for any company mm -hmm. in, in uh, any state here, what's the number that I say, hey, I'd like to deploy fiber if I can get it for this much per household. But after that, 
I'd rather prefer to be able to think about a fixed wireless deployment. What is that number and how should the state start quantifying that as they put their bead plans together? I want to I want to touch on something that that um, and you you kind of um, spoke to it um, as I'm taking notes here, listening to you talk, um, but yeah. also want to make one comment. Um, I know in, in some of the areas that we were looking at, you will absolutely not be able to disturb the ground. Um, right. It's sacred. It's it's battlefields. It's environmental areas. Um, and then there's communities just beyond those areas with no electric line uh, running through that area. You're just not going to be able to touch it. So to to say that you're going to take fiber everywhere, it's it's just it's not going to happen. Okay. Right. And, and, and we know that. I, I think. Yep. But yep. Talk yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly uh, that that's exactly the conversation that I had with the Pennsylvania Broadband Office. Uh, the first time I met with them, they said, "Hey, look, we have battlefields all over the place here that we are not going to be digging exactly. fiber builds through, right? Uh, so we have to be able to get over those somehow. And and how do we do that unless it's fixed wireless? Exactly. And the other thing I want you to um, and like I said, you did touch on this a little bit. Why do you think there was an exclusion of unlicensed spectrum? in this program. Yeah, and, and that's a determination that the NTIA made as they were putting their bead rules together. It unfortunately goes outside of Congress's actual mandates. Uh, Congress said, consider all technologies. Uh, NTIA made ultimately kind of a politicized decision, I think, um, but they, their, their response to us when we had conversations following up with them to say, hey, what was going on behind this decision? They said, well, we we think that there may be some concern that because this spectrum is not licensed right now, that it could be taken away from you in the future. Uh, what we see is that really doesn't bear out as, as you look at the FCC's decisions on unlicensed spectrum. We've had actually more unlicensed spectrum coming online uh, in the last year, and we anticipate more being made available to us as the years go on. So in, in terms of real practicality, we think that this is going to be uh, continuing to be a, a really strong and available and robust uh, set of, of technologies that we can use, a uh, set of bandwidth you know, that we can use to, to continue to deploy. But NTIA felt that because it was not licensed, because it wasn't guaranteed by by an agreement that we, uh, some of our members paid, you know, many many dollars uh, to be able to get access to, uh, that uh, maybe you know in a hundred years is is that going to be available? Well, I don't know, but I, I think the FCC has has done a really good job of indicating to us that certainly in the near and medium term they want to make sure that that's available to our providers. Understood. So, um, in your experience, Steve, tell me. What do you think some of the major challenges or barriers that uh, WISP and its members face in helping us to close the digital divide? Yeah. Well, I mean, you asked about uh, the, the education efforts that WISPA has, and I, I think that's a huge piece of it. I, I think a lot of people, you know, uh, think of fiber the way they think of Kleenex. It's the brand name that you know and you kind of are aware of. They don't necessarily need to market it, but it's it's out there and you're kind of you, you know what it is. Um, fixed wireless just doesn't have quite the same uh, pizzazz, maybe. I, I think it's a cooler technology, quite frankly. I, I'm incredibly amazed by, by how our guys do it. Uh, but it, it doesn't have that same brand awareness, I think. Um, and so getting out there and really educating people about 
Uh, for example, we had a, um, a legislative day in Wisconsin, and one of our teams was sitting down with a legislator who is a rural legislator and, and drives about two hours into the state capitol every day. And he said at the end of the meeting, you know, I drive by a tower and I see this stuff on it every day when I drive into work. And I never knew what that was until today when you guys came and told me, hey, that's Internet service. That's the kind of service that's connecting your farms right. and, and your, your neighbors. And I never knew that. And so it's that education piece of saying, hey, not only are we out there and doing a great job every day, but this is just a great technology that gives you more flexibility to deploy in, in ways that really solve problems that you need to solve. Um, so whether it's a community understanding, hey, if, if you know we have some flexibility, we don't have to just, you know, kneel down before our, our nearest fiber provider. We can go to a local provider who's a, a small business person in our community and wants to help us uh, and, and be able to save some money and, and do that more cost effectively. Uh, it's, it's that education piece of telling them, hey, we're out there, we're doing this every day, but we're there as a great solution for, for some of the problems you're seeing. And I want to follow up with that because I know every time I go out, I, I feel like I'm educating. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a uh, and I've actually kind of put that in my elevator speech, you know, <laughs> that yeah I want to I want to I want to share with you what this actually is, and 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 one of the things that we do talk about is that hey th this this is not your grandfather's fixed wireless so this yes <laughs> excuse me right the technology today even even really just a couple years ago the technology is light years ahead of 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 uh, where it was. Um, I, I think you've seen my slide presentation because that's exactly the phrase I use. It's not your grandfather's fixed wireless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, watching some of our technology providers, even just in the last couple of years, like you say, and and the way this just leapt ahead uh, in, in, in leaps and bounds ahead of where the technology has been, uh, when, when you think about future proof, I mean, a lot of these changes that they're making, you don't even need to change out your, your hardware, your equipment. You can just push through a, a technology upgrade, a software upgrade, and you've right. got better speeds, you've got better reliability. We're continuing to innovate. It's an incredibly innovative atmosphere right now. And I'm really excited about where it goes next because we've, we've just light years ahead of where we have been, you know, certainly 20 years ago. But that's the way all technology works, right? And so it's really Absolutely. unfair to say, well, this time and kind of technology is future proof because we like it, but this other stuff isn't because we just don't know quite what it is. I, everything continues to evolve and and what our providers have done is just incredible in terms of uh, continuing to grow. Yeah, and that includes fiber, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, the, absolutely. The fiber from 1980 is definitely not the same fiber. <laughs> right. That right, right, exactly, yeah, yeah. Technology continues to grow, and and so we really shouldn't say you know one is one is preferable to the other in terms of technology deployments because they're all going to continue to grow, and and we're going to find better ways to use them as we go along, uh, and and so we have to keep all solutions in mind as as we go forward. I.e., the best technology for the job. Yes, right? that's exactly right. That <laughs> um, and I'm gonna, and I know we're we're quickly running out of time. I want to get in a couple more uh, questions to you. Yeah. I know that uh, WISPA puts on a, uh, a program or a show every, you know, twice twice a year. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about how um, the the training and the professional development to its members enhances their capabilities in providing broadband service uh, to help uh, promote digital equity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have we're a little bit unique in, in exactly that that we have two trade shows a year. Uh, one usually in the spring that kind of rotates around 
the central United States, uh, usually someplace warm and sunny. Uh, we were in Louisiana and in, in New Orleans not too much, not too long ago, uh, and then kind of continue to move around. But uh, then our, our uh, October trade show is in Las Vegas every year and uh, just a great event that brings out the entire community um, that, that we love to see. And, and we have a ton of opportunities there, whether it's uh, seminars on how to run your business, how to scale from zero to 500 customers or take that next leap from 5,000, you know, 500 way up to maybe thousands. We have great opportunities to learn how to do HR, how to do network setups, how to deploy technology in ways that are going to help your company grow. We also have great opportunities for learning the, the certifications necessary uh, to be able to deploy those things. So whether it's tower climber training or, or other trainings, uh, we're able to offer that through our vendors. A lot of our members are, are providers who can do those trainings. And so we are able to connect our members to those opportunities to make sure that they have a skilled and talented team that's able to really meet all the certification levels that we need to see to, to deploy the technologies that we have. And that's always kind of the conversation is how are we using that to bridge the digital divide? How are we using that to build out to communities that don't have internet service? Uh, that's always our members focus is, is how are we growing our portfolio and, and expanding our reach uh, to those communities that need it the most. We had a great conversation actually in a, a seminar that we held in January. We had a Midwest broadband operators uh, meeting in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Nowhere you'd rather be in uh, January than Milwaukee, I imagine, <laughs> but uh, it was a I'll, great- I'll, you know, be there, uh, I'll be there via, uh, via uh, Teams or, or, or Zoom. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, but we, we had a really great seminar uh, session on digital equity in BEAD and how are we uh, meeting those communities where they are and helping them find ways to access uh, the technology, whether it's you know digital literacy training or whether it's building out broadband to those communities that don't have it. It definitely is a, a thing that our members are focused on every day. All right, and I'm gonna get in one more question before uh, our, yeah. our time is almost up here. Looking ahead, what is WISPA's vision for the future regarding digital connectivity and reducing the digital divide. And, and tell us about any long-term goals that uh, you gave, that WISPA is pursuing. Yeah, well, right now we're really engaged heavily on BEAD, uh, having conversations with every state broadband office out there to educate them about how we do what we do, what our members are doing every day, and how powerful uh, fixed wireless can be both licensed and unlicensed using those spectrums to uh, to deploy out to cover those uh, those digital divides that still exist. Uh, our members are really, truly focused on being able to connect every single uh, broadband serviceable location in the United States, whether that's using fiber or fixed wireless, however we can do it, uh, that is truly our goal. And so creating that policy landscape at the state level that employs and empowers all technologies that helps states choose the right tool for the right job. And I like to add sometimes at the right cost and in the right amount of time. Uh, sure. What are we doing to set a policy landscape that really incentivizes people to make sure that they're doing things cost effectively, time effectively, and using the right tool to do that? Um, that's where we want to go right now and years from now. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's federal policy that kind of sets uh, sets nationwide agendas and, and uh, encourages people to look at all technologies, 
or whether that's state grant programs or state legislation that incentivizes one path or another. We want to make sure that lawmakers and stakeholders are educated, that they understand how the technologies work, they understand what our members do day in and day out, uh, and, and how they can use those tools to make sure that every tr American truly has the internet that they need uh, is, is really what our goal is. And, and and I would say that whisper members are standing in the gaps. Absolutely, and, and are filling those and, and filling those holes in. Um, and what what I think is is absolutely wonderful because at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's the folks in those rural areas and 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 in urban areas. But you know, I, I I tend to focus on rural areas because that's where I live. Yeah, um, and that's where I worked and. Um, you know, having to only be able to use the internet at 12 o'clock at night when the wind's not blowing and it's a perfect moon yeah. out and uh, <laughs> maybe I'll get an email through and just praying and hoping that it goes through. Um, it's it's about quality of life and, and improving quality of life for those people. Um, and and hopefully we won't play politics with this and we'll uh, we'll get this done right. Um, exactly Steve, right. this has been great. I, I appreciate you taking time out of your, your busy schedule. Tell our audience how uh, they can get more information on, on WISPA and kind of see some of the great things that your members are doing. Yeah, Charles, it's been a real treat talking to you. WISPA.org, that's W-I-S-P-A.org is our website. Uh, we've also got presence on Facebook and Twitter, um, but the, the website has a ton of resources on being able to find a WISP near you if you're looking for service. Uh, and we've got a lot of uh, great policy papers and uh, position uh, issue papers that we're, we're able to share through the website as well. So that resources tab up at the top right uh, is going to give you a, a whole lot of options in terms of uh, getting more involved or, or seeing where we are and what we're doing every day. So again, it's education, education, education. <laughs> yes, sir. You said it. <laughs> All right. Well, we've come to the end of another empowering episode. Um, Steve has given us a great deal of information, and we want to express our deepest gratitude um, for him coming on today and sharing more about the uh, WISPA community. Um, to hear more about what WISPA and other members are doing uh, in closing the digital divide, please reach out to us at ctdd.pastos.com or wherever you get your podcast. Again, thank you, and we look forward to talking to you very soon. Have a great day, everyone.